Holy crap. A new introduction to the podcast. But for real, though, the rest of it will come after this. I just want to thank you guys. Um, all the five-star ratings that we're getting on all the podcast apps is awesome. And I appreciate it when I hear people telling me that someone else told them about the podcast. So you guys rock. Uh, listen to the commercials or skip by them. It's cool. And your episode's on its way. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws... Well, they both look pretty badass, and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge. When you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees, look at AssaultLimited.com. Also sponsoring today's podcast is Urban Savage, U-R-B-N-S-V-G.com. The best quality apparel available. American-made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny. The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3 eqip.com a3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion a lip balm a hair conditioner honestly anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3 eqip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about Get squared away. Spiritual. Get squared away. Emotional. Get squared away. Mental. Get squared away. Physical. The podcast that'll help you get squared away. All right, we are back with another episode of the Squared Away Podcast. Back from a little, uh, a little R and R for you, Martin. How was that? Uh, that was good. Sometimes, uh. Getting out of the everyday and into a little peace and quiet is good for, uh, you know, what do we call it? The mindfulness meditation. Yeah, just just mindfulness. I think just your your overall psyche. How uh, have you seen this shit that's starting to pop up with? I think we talked about it in the past, but about Epstein and the possibilities of him being an actual, uh, not an agent, an but agent. A, a part. Yeah. Is do you call him an agent even if they don't work for? I mean. Is it still an agent? Yeah. Or are you just are you just working in conjunction with or whatever? You know. Yeah, if you're working in conjunction with or contracted, I mean, you're technically an agent. So. And so the 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 speculation now that's and I think all of us kind of understood this, but the speculation now that's starting to come out, um, I think it was from one specific Rogan podcast, is who highlighted it and why we're starting to see a bunch of it now. Yeah. 
but it was that Epstein is was likely an agent of the uh, intelligence of America, and his main job was to compromise um, very powerful people so that once you have someone compromised with some sort of you know blackmailing ability, then they basically are on your payroll without having to actually pay them, right? Yeah. That's the idea? Yep. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's one of those things that it seems like the puzzle pieces fit, but, you know, it's just goes further to prove that the FBI, I mean, even RFK admits it, right, that, you know, that needs to be dismantled. Um, I, I think there's just overall too much corruption starting top down yeah and i mean what what's what's the saying we always use absolute power corrupts absolutely right yeah and when somebody has that much power the entire agency or even the people that are managing you know the the people that manage the agencies whoever wherever the power path leads to they are manipulating an entire group of people whether it be thousands or hundreds of thousands of people and when when you look at an organization like that, it's like a it's like a, a CEO with no moral backbone, right? It you start to see um, underlings that work under them start to make uh, really shitty and unmoral decisions to try to further themselves within the company, and that extrapolates out to a, an agency or a company that that makes some really fucked up decisions. I mean, what was it? His 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 penthouse in New York was seventy million dollars was randomly given to him. Oh, I, I thought it was uh, twenty-seven. Something I think million it now. was seventy million. Maybe it was twenty-seven million when he got it. And now it was worth seventy million. Well, Who knows? But very well be. But even anything above a million's got to be pretty, you know, pretty damn good, right? And and where does that come from? And I guess there's the chance that that comes from um, somebody that really respects how much money you make him, because that was his idea. Was he was a he was a he was a money maker, right? He was a money man. Mm-hmm. He was a he was an investment planner, or, or however you look at it, but. Realistically, um, there is not any, uh, what's the way to put it? There's no, um, there's no card counting. There's no magic when it comes to investment returns. And if someone is making 40% investment returns year after year, um, they're, they're lying. Either they're lying because they're just, you know, have a Ponzi scheme or they're lying that they're actually even making that much money or there's, there's something going on because the smartest people in the world um, can't make that kind of returns over and over and over along with the, the most technological advanced computers. So yeah, the fact that somebody like somebody like Epstein could make enough money for somebody that they gave him a $70 million penthouse is probably pretty fucking unlikely. Yeah. On top of that, you know, give him a living and uh, how else did he fund uh Everything on the island. Yeah. So then, you know, then it starts to get like, right, you, you follow the money. But when else in history have we had somebody like Gosling Maxwell taken into custody um, yeah. and then and have nothing, to show nothing for comes out ever? Yeah. Has there ever been a time like that in history? No. I mean, I mean not that I can think of. I think there's probably underlying, you know things that have happened that just hasn't gotten the publicity, but not at this level, no. So that's that's one of the big things on the, the news feeds right now. Hawaii, um, 
bless those those individuals that are dealing with that and um sorry for the families that have had to deal with that kind of loss um there's so much going on around that i think we talked about prior to the to actually starting recording we're not com- neither of us are comfortable speculating on any of that because it's so not impossible but extremely difficult excuse me to get um any sort of valid information from the area unless you're there there's you know there's reports of of a bunch of locals trying to donate stuff pallet rat you know pallet wrapped yeah. pallets full of of goods to the people that are that are in need and it's not getting to them but um neither of neither martin nor i are are, are aware of the um guidelines that you need to follow to get something to people through a through a red cross or a fema type stuff like that and this may be actually real political red tape it's not any sort of sabotage or any sort of manipulation that anybody is doing it could just literally be rules that are not being followed you can't just walk up and you know donate those things and they don't go immediately to the house it may need to be it may need to be checked in and registered and chat and tested and i have no idea so we don't want to speculate that there's any sort of like you know dirtiness going on um i will say that from the people that i know that that know the area um i i have one friend who has who has condos down there and uh basically the main street that burned down in Lahaina is like, that was like the spot. Um, it was like the, the main street USA of, you know, the most expensive real estate in the world, basically. So that's sad. That was a bunch of, you know, local, local, locally owned businesses. A lot of them that were, that were holding out and did not want to sell out to, you know, big corporation. So that's the that's kind of the speculation on the news feed is that that this has something to do with that. Um, but again, I would not I'll not back that up because I have no fucking idea. Yeah, it's just uh, interesting that you know some of the headlines like USA Today is starting to say, well, Maui deadly fires could happen again in many U.S. cities and towns. So yeah. what is that supposed to mean? Well, the thing is, is is I believe that they're speculating on the the rainfall the the extreme heat the kind of the overall climate of our area of the united states right now and there's a lot of very dry places that they are thinking could you know could burn up in fires but it's all it's all political right so mm-hmm. when you when you read that headline that headline is basically saying like you know in a roundabout way it's saying climate changes here um we're the reason that the you know that your city could burn up um quit what doing what you're doing and change your ways but i mean realistically we've talked about this a hundred times you know the united states as a whole is eight percent of carbon emissions in the world like we can't change what is making the biggest effect right even if we cut our emissions completely in half we save four percent of what's going into the atmosphere yeah. And and if you think that doesn't make a big difference, think about, I mean, a lot of you guys, you're all over the world, but we've had days that are so bad from the Canadian wildfires that are, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles away that you can see the smog in the air just from those fires. So if you don't think that, you know, pollutants from China and Taiwan and the Middle East and all that kind of stuff isn't affecting our atmosphere here then you're foolish. 
what I'm looking at, I mean, the carbon trend, the carbon output trend line for the U.S. Has, is a steady improvement over the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years because of technology. So I know the, you know, climate uh, crisis people want to complain. I mean, you're not going to solve something overnight. No, and, and, and that's the thing is I think that, you know, there is no one answer. There's no specific good or bad. There's a lot of good people that are, that are doing it, and then there's a lot of bad people that are manipulating the good people. And I think that that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, you know, climate change is a fucking business, you know? Oh, yeah. Climate change is a, is a billion dollar, I don't know the actual uh, number, but it's a huge business. And you've got people that if, um, if that slows down, if the carbon reduction um, guidelines slow down, their their income slows down so instead of focusing on places where they could make the most effect actually on the carbon output they're focusing on the places where they can create the most demand and by keeping climate change in the front of everyone's mind and manipulating lawmakers into thinking that this is the you know number one most important thing for the United States right now while it is important don't get me wrong um they're creating demand for their own business versus actually going to where they could make the most, you know, improvements. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. My thought is that, you know, climate change is the number one cause for documentaries. Documentaries get people riled up. Government uses that to, uh, enact some, uh, legislation that needs a lot of funding. So, you know, what Nancy Pelosi say, or, she took it from somebody else. We got to take advantage of a good crisis. Yeah, I I, I remember I, I looked that up every once in a while, and I can't ever remember who the original quote was attributed to. But yeah, it's uh, never let a good crisis go to waste. I believe is the uh, yes is the way that it was originally stated. But <clears throat> you know the thing is is the problem with enacting legislation to affect something like this is. When you're starting to enact legislation against the production of goods, you can only legislate the United States. You can't legislate the world. So unless you start to legislate the imports and how they are created, all you're doing is pushing manufacturing away from the United States and pushing it into other countries where the legislation and the, you know, the the carbon output emissions controls and stuff like that are basically non not even uh not there so all you're doing is pushing a bunch of american companies who used to make shit here into making it in a bunch of countries where they can make it way fucking cheaper they don't have to worry about carbon emissions and then they just import it and sell it here so not only are we probably creating more emissions by um pushing the production offshore we're also creating more emissions by having to ship it with the dirtiest nastiest fuel in the nastiest freighters over here right yeah i mean you know out of sight out of mind i mean you know i don't see greta thunberg uh trying to meet with uh you know ji Jinping and telling them to you know get on the boat with uh climate change i feel that wouldn't go well i don't know i mean you got to solve the problem at the root cause right yeah i agree maybe she should meet with uh putin too. see uh See what he says. Do they make anything? 
does Russia, does Russia, other than oil, right? Like that's their biggest fucking, that's their biggest resource is oil. But do they have, they can't have much production in Russia, do they? Yeah, they got to have some manufacturing, but uh, yeah, nothing like, you know. They're they're not exporting. They're not exporting. No. You know, and the the wildest thing about, the wildest thing about the the oncoming growth of China is, and I know we've talked about this before, but I, but I talk about it with anybody that'll actually listen is how China is manipulating the, the money system and the, 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 the world bank system is absolutely I guess amazing if you're Chinese um, and you can benefit from it. But what they're doing is, is borrowing money from the world bank because they have a very high credit rating and ability to pay it back. So they're borrowing a certain amount of money at a low interest rate from the world bank. They are then loaning it to very risky countries with a guarantee from the international monetary fund that they will get paid back if the country goes default on that debt. So it's basically like, you know, me giving Martin money because I trust Martin to pay me back and then Martin loaning it to Phil because Phil got Joe to say, hey, if Phil can't pay you back, I'll make sure you get your money back. So Martin's making money on my money that I gave him with zero risk liability. Yeah. And and the thing is, is is they're then using that market manipulation and that financial manipulation to grow their country and their output to a level where they can be, you know, the dominant player in the market today. Yeah. And, you know, (laughs) they're they're in Africa doing this. But, you know, like you said, that they're protected against default because a lot of these, uh, you know, African areas can't pay them back. And China's put in a ton of infrastructure in Africa now and getting paid back by resources, but also providing, you know, the means to manufacture in Africa. So, um, yeah, the puzzle pieces are coming together. And and that's a really... That's a really interesting and, and I'm not going to lie, intelligent way to look at it. If you were looking to um, grow your world share, right? Because if, if you look at all the economics of the entire world, it's basically one big pie. And that pie um, is really not likely to be grown because we only have so much resources, we have so many human beings, and we have so much time, right? So all you're trying to do is get a bigger piece of that pie. Yeah. And America used to be the used to be the biggest piece of that pie. And we were the biggest piece of that pie because we were doing everything here. We were using our intelligence. We were using our people and we were using our natural resources and we were creating a ton of shit and we were exporting it. It didn't matter whether it was grains that we were turning into alcohol, whether it was food storage, whether it was uh, products, it didn't matter what it was. We were creating a bunch of widgets and we were selling them around the world, and we had the biggest piece of that pie. And the problem is, is when you are playing checkers, and you have somebody like China that comes in and plays chess, you are going to lose every time, because what they're doing is not only using their people and their national resources, they're using national resources from instable parts of the world all around the world. They went, who was first into Afghanistan after we got out? Yeah, China and Russia. China and Russia. Who's in Africa? Who's in all these other places? 
So they're using resources, whether it be human resources or uh, natural resources, and they are creating widgets in 10 or 20 different countries and then exporting them from their own country around the world and it adds to their GDP. Um, which I would be curious to see. I've never even looked it up. I'm sure it's a pretty easy number, but where is the GDP of China versus the United States? Have you have you seen that figure at all? No. Because when you you know when you start to think like if you're thinking of your budget as a human and I you know I know a lot of people don't really even budget anymore. Um, we we try to budget and we budget specific things, but then inside each I guess area of spending we need to get we need to improve how we spend. But if you look at your budgeting, you have one big income number and then you have one big output number, and those need to be your income number needs to be bigger than your output number. Otherwise, you are going into debt with every year. And if you just focus on that income number, I'm curious where the, the, the Chinese income number is versus the United States, because your GDP is just your gross domestic product. It's basically just everything that you are creating and selling, whether it be a service or a, a product or a good or anything. You got anything there? Uh, no, the... Communist Google keeps saying that uh, China will never surpass the U.S., uh, you know. Well, they won't until they fucking take us over. Um, but, that, but that's the weirdest. That's the weirdest thing is we're still consuming, right? We're, we're a consumerist society, so we're still consuming just as much as we ever have. But we're not making it here and consuming it ourselves. We're consuming it from somebody else's playground. And um, this was something that got brought up to me the other day is... It's pretty likely that we kind of rotate from an inflation society mm -hmm. to a deflation society here coming up in the next, you know, five to seven years because technology is inherently a deflationary um, thing. So if you think about how technology affects your life, right, you can do things more affordably and easily when it comes to technology, right? Yeah. That's just what technology is for. Technology is to make things easier. So if you can make it easier, that means it's generally more affordable. So, you know, in the simplest form of technology being a deflationary uh, item would be like working on your car, right? You used to have to, if you didn't know exactly what you were doing, you used to have to take your car to a mechanic and you would spend $100 to get it diagnosed. And then you'd spend another, you know, 150 to 350 to a thousand dollars to get it fixed, right? We now can cut out that first hundred dollars usually because the diagnosis, everything to diagnose a car is basically available with a simple um, scan tool that you can get off Amazon for 30 bucks and it's going to last every time that you need it. And then the internet. So technology right there, it deflated the income of the mechanic. Right. And so the mechanic has to make a certain amount of money. So he has to raise his his rates um, and increase the amount of people coming in. But there's a simple explanation of how technology is deflationary and it works the same way for businesses. It works the same way for countries. So if we start to deflate the amount of money spent, then we go backwards and the income that's coming into the country, the income that's coming into the world 
goes down. So what happens when, the, when, when we go through a deflationary period? A simple dollar, whether it be a, a, an American dollar or a Chinese dollar, that dollar becomes more valuable. So if you have a bunch of money in a bunch of stocks, the value of those stocks actually goes down. Um, the value of the entire market goes down. The value of real estate goes down. The price to sell something, the price to buy something, it all goes down. So what it does is it basically shrinks an entire economy. And the weird thing is, is as human beings, we are unable to understand what that means really to extrapolate out. But we are likely looking at that because we've had an inflationary period over the last two years that we're still looking at because of simple economic supply and demand, the amount of money that was pumped into our system in the United States because of COVID um, created almost a false demand for a bunch of shit. You saw it in your industry, right? You remember when we were talking about $30,000 shipping containers? Yeah. That was simply because there was a bunch of people buying a bunch of shit with a bunch of money and we needed to get more shit here faster. So the freight companies had to increase their rates just to slow down the amount of people trying to purchase containers because they couldn't keep up, right? They capitalized, yeah. they capitalized on the shortness of supply. Yeah. Um, now well, now what is it? Four. Now what is it? Two to four uh, thousand. Yeah. Per, and how, how empty are those, how empty are those shipyards? Well, I mean, shipyards are, are busy because of lack of labor, but. The people are busy in the shipyards. But yeah, you're looking at volume uh, way down. Okay. So we're seeing the, and it could be a, it could be an ebb and a flow, right? I'm not saying that in the six months we're going to see deflation, but I'm saying that because of technology and because of the amazing inflation that we've had over the past few years, because of the amount of money stuck into the system, we're likely going to go through a deflationary period. And do we ever come back out of that? Does your, does your 401k ever get back to the level that it's at now? I mean, historically it has, but yeah. that doesn't mean it's guaranteed to again. Yep. So U.S. Uh, is hovering roughly about two and a half, a little over two and a half percent. Average growth rate. Um, when you do a little more digging, then China is technically at a roughly about a seven percent. Do we have a total number? total number yeah <clears throat> like an actual size of gdp you're talking in the nothing that's uh i can find up to date okay right now. yeah and, and that's what i wondered i wasn't sure if you would even be able to find that data um but i don't I, I just wanted to get i just wanted to get that i guess out there because you have to be aware of what is coming and the fact that america may never be the superpower in the world again is a is a real possibility and what does that mean for you that means that you you know you may not see the consistent 30 year 5% growth that the 401k system the investment system has seen over the past fucking 50 years but your dollar will be worth more your skill level will be worth more teach your kids work ethic Teach your kids how to fend for themselves. Teach, teach your kids how to compassionately compete. And that's kind of, you know, that's a, that's a segue 
into this week's actual um, podcast topic, which we did it again. We were getting really good at this whole not talking for 30 minutes before we get into the <laughs> podcast topic, but it just happens once in a while. Um, this week's podcast topic comes to you by one idiotic lady that I had to deal with this week. And she a Karen or what? Oh, she's a total Karen. So I'll I'll give you I'll give you the Reader's Digest version of the story. We are signing my daughter up for school and doing all of her enrollment activities. And we get to the final table and there's two ladies at this final table. And the first lady is talking about all of these great family talks that they have that you can go to and they teach you about different things that are important to look out for and important to grow from. And she says, like peer pressure, we have an amazing talk coming up about peer pressure, how to spot it, how to handle it, and how not to let it affect you. Perfect. Sounds good. We take the lady's calendar and then we walk a fucking half of a step to the next lady. And she goes, and this is where I'm going to piss some people off. She goes, are you going to sign up for Sunday school? And my daughter kind of goes, nah, I don't think so. Right. And she goes, but all your friends are going to be doing it. And I go, didn't we just talk about peer pressure? And she had no ability to understand that peer pressure is peer pressure, whether it's for something that you believe in or something you don't believe in. So I go, peer pressure is peer pressure. She goes, I'm okay peer pressuring over good things. I go, how do you, <laughs> how do you think that your kids are going to be able to, to disseminate in the moment what a good thing is versus a bad thing? Don't you think you should, you should focus on teaching your kids to make decisions from their emotional state and things that they think they should do, things that they think they want to do versus you telling her that a bunch of her friends are going to do it and try to peer pressuring her into doing it. She goes, well, we can have this conversation later. And that's, it's, it's a stupid interaction, right? But that's where this come from. Cause that lady is an authoritative parent. That lady is do it because I said it, don't question it. And that's bullshit. That type of parenting does not, benefit anyone did i get that right no that's no, an authoritarian authoritarian. Yep. authoritarian i fucked that up all right so i didn't even know there was a difference before doing my research for this week's podcast on authoritative versus authoritarian yeah. can you give them the highlights you got the sheet over there that i printed out can yeah. you give the highlights of the difference between the two yeah i mean a lot of you have seen this in like the you know the business memes like authority authoritative is what a leader is authoritarian is like a boss right so authoritative is a person that's like says you know let's talk about it you know they're responsive um they reciprocate you know with opinions um they're given authority or power with but not they they use it to do their job or be a leader um they have high expectations because of results they have clear standards you know they're they're democratic which means like we talked about it's reciprocal um they take the opinions of the people that they lead or are responsible for. Um, they're assertive, flexible, and the boss or the straw boss, sometimes we call it the authoritarian, has very little warmth. It's autocratic. It's basically what I says goes or because I said so. Um, they do have high expectations, but it has to meet their standards. Um, I mean, it's very structured environments because that's what they force. Things don't get done the way they want it. There's punishment, and the clear rules are their rules, and it's lording over or power over, not power with. And they're, well, it says emotionally distant, but 
they pretty much don't have emotion other than what they want. So it's kind of like a little toddler. And, and I see this, I see this with so many people that are raising kids, right? And they have a kid that comes out of the womb and they want that kid to listen to them and not question anything they're saying for 18 years. And then they send them out on their own and they expect them to question other people in the world and make rational decisions versus, uh, uh, based on their own assessment of situations. And how the fuck do you expect someone that you have basically just said, do it this way because I said so, to have any sort of independent thought after 18 years of the most developmental time of their life to just develop that? It doesn't happen. That's why I, I teach my kids, like, question everything. Now, you have to be able to understand when you question something and I give you a, a, a legitimate explanation, you then have to be like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Now we move forward. That's, an, you know, that's an authoritative parent. If I just, if they just question it and I said, nope, okay, you don't have to do it. Then all of a sudden we get into the passive people and the people whose, whose kids run their lives and the kids are, are the boss, right? And that doesn't benefit anybody either. So I kind of put together a a, a big list um, of first off what not to do, because I know I've talked about this a bunch of times on the podcast, but I finally figured out I I actually did the fucking research on what it's called. And we have as humans, we have an innate negativity bias. And what this is, is it's a cognitive bias. So it's a bias that appears in our thought process that is rooted in evolutionary psychology. The negative bias means that we have a tendency to outweigh the, the negatives of a situation or the possible losses of a situation and underweigh the possible gains of a situation. Now, the, the way that we know that this bias even exists is because they've done studies where they take groups of college kids and they give them a widget and they make them either sell the widget or they buy the widget. And then they switch groups and they do it again. And they switch groups and they do it again. And the people that have the widget in their hand overall value that widget in a dollar-to-dollar basis drastically higher than the people that do not have the widget and have to spend the money that they were given for, you know, they were given like $5 or something and they had to buy the widget. And they overall value that widget. So they value the, the loss of that widget more then they are willing to pay for that same widget when they are on the other side of the, of the experiment. So we know that the negative negativity bias is real. Now, why is that there? Well, throughout hundreds of thousands of years of evolution, you have to think about being well aware of the negatives of a situation were much more beneficial while you were living in a very... Um, nutrient deficient risky society because if you broke your leg or you lost a cache of food or you didn't recognize um or you weren't scared of a place where a bunch of you know looters and bandits could have been the the negatives of that were much greater you were probably going to die versus the positives that you could have gotten if you would have gone to you know through that risky situation or you could have made that jump across to that next tree or whatever the, whatever the positives were in that situation. It seems like, it seems like a really good thing, right? Well, it is, except for today, it now causes you to um, be much more pessimistic, much more cautious, 
and inhibit risk-taking to a point where it's maybe unhealthy because you're only focusing on the negatives of a situation and you're ignoring the positives. Where in life today, the risks are not the same as risks were 20,000 years ago, right? Like yeah. the risks that we face today is like, what, being embarrassed, possibly breaking a leg that you, you know, are going to get casted and you'll be fine in three months. Like the, the risks just aren't the same as they were 100,000 years ago. Yeah, it's created some problems too. I mean, when you're looking at what, health, what happened to health insurance, I think once people got the fully, um, I was vested the right word, but, you know, when health insurance was much cheaper, what happened? You didn't go as much? No. And or did you go more? People went more. Okay. So the minute something happened, boom, they just wouldn't think about it because there's no risk, right? Well, okay. insurance is going to pay for everything, right? Yeah. Well, then everybody was taking their kids in for, you know, oh, they got a little bit of fever. Oh, uh, they got a stomach ache. Boom. All of a sudden, they just start flooding these emergency rooms and kept driving, what, driving prices up and insurance companies. All of a sudden, uh, now you're paying more out of pocket. And some people aren't insured, so it's uh that's kind of flipped, and there's a lot more a uh, lot more risk. Yeah, people are people are not getting um, people are scared to go in. Yeah, and then the outcome of that ends up being more expensive. But I mean, that's kind of that's that's the American way, though, right? Like we we only we only worry about the symptoms when they get bad enough. We don't actually worry about trying to fix what's causing the symptoms. Oh yeah. Um, so let's get into just quick the, re, the, the the negativity bias. I wanted to focus on what not to do um, first, and these ones are just these ones are pretty quick. But um, do not excessively criticize your kids and use overly harsh negative reinforcement. Um, avoid belittling negative reinforcement, harsh criticism. They damage a child's self esteem and well being. And while you will have you know one David Goggins that slips through here or there. Um, the fact that the, the likelihood that your, you know, your little Johnny is, is David Goggins is going to turn into the, you know, the, the animal that that guy is by you treating him like shit, right? Like it's even in the fucking boy, the, the song, the boy named Sue. Remember that song? Yeah. Named I named you Sue and he's going to kick his dad's ass when he finally meets him and he finally meets him and he's like, I named you Sue because I knew I wouldn't be there and it'd make you tough. Right? Well, guess what? Uh, for every one David Goggins, there's, you know, 20,000 or 30,000 or 40,000 just, you know, absolute f- self-loathing piece of shit human beings that were raised by asshole parents who who beat their kids and, and overly criticized them and belittled them and told them they were fucking useless. And you will get one, you know, you'll get one diamond that's made from that fucking, from that pressure, but you're going to get a lot of crumbles of coal. Um. Next one is inconsistency and discipline. Inconsistent rules and consequences can lead to confusion and insecurity for children. And insecurity, if you don't understand in kids, um, you, you, are their, you are their God. You are their son. You are their life. You are their oxygen. And when they sense inconsistency and they are confused about where you stand, it causes um, the most devastating emotional uh, effects in their brains because while you might want to create tough kids um you create tough kids by giving them a strong 
uh, a strong footing and a good basis for taking risks, um, not by just beating them down and and telling them, you know, telling them they're a piece of shit until they finally prove to you that they're not a piece of shit. Over control and micromanager. I see a lot of these parents. Do you see these parents? Yeah, the helicopter parents. The helicopter parents being over controlling and not allowing children to make age appropriate decisions can hinder their independence and problem solving skills. Give children room to make choices and learn from their experiences. If you never have that that L and that WL column, you never get to learn, right? Yeah, um, <clears throat> a lot of experience on that uh, side is, and I've seen a lot of parents and experienced a lot of parents that, man, when you do this, your kids, I think some of it's to keep their kids close because their kids never uh, fly the coop. They never leave. You know? Yeah, yeah. These are families that end up sitting in like the within a mile from their parents and do everything the same and still... Uh, become the 40, 50 year olds that are under their, uh, you know, parents rule. Right. I, th- I think about, um, parenting is basically working myself out of a job and that's, that's scary to say, and that's hard to say, but it's basically trying to, trying to give my kids all of the traits that they need. So they, they become independent and don't need me to give them those, those traits anymore. Right. Yeah. I mean, give them the confidence to be able to make their own decisions and give them the confidence to be able to go out into the world. That's what you're prepping them to do. Um, Number four, ignore emotional needs. This one's pretty self-explanatory. Your kids have emotions. Don't fucking don't degrade them. Don't belittle them. Um, Talk to them about their emotions Um, on the what to do. um, Teaching emotional intelligence is going to be one of them, but basically you need to teach your kids what emotions are and how to deal with them, not just ignore them. Because the minute that you try to teach your kid to just ignore feelings, right? You're not scared. Be, don't be a pussy. Man up. You know, all you're doing is, is, is making them um, push those feelings down and bury them to a point that they become an unhealthy, you know, time ticking time bomb, basically. And uh, this one should have been number one, I think, today. Excessive screen time and lack of boundaries. Allowing unlimited cool. screen time and not setting boundaries can have negative effects on physical health, social, and cognitive development. Limit screen time and ensure that it's balanced with other activities. We were at dinner the other night, and we literally, a mom, a mom, her sister, grandma, and one other lady, and then a little kid. And they sat down, and the lady, they, I mean, they didn't even, their butts weren't even warm in the chairs yet. And the lady's like, you want the phone? Like, basically, <laughs> just shut up and sit in your corner. Mm, yep distract them so that that's what not to do let's let's start to run through these these what to do um all this has scientific scientific uh references if you guys want it i can send you my notes but um unconditional love and support studies in child psychology have consistently shown that children who receive emotional support and feel loved by their parents tend to have better emotional well-being and self-esteem um i have written on in in my margin here do not let your love for your kid depend on how they are acting. And I think that we all have had times where our kids do something that piss us off and we can make the mistake of not showing them the love when we are disciplining them, right? So the right and proper way when your kid is doing something wrong is for them to know that they've done something wrong realize that there are consequences for their actions, but also definitely feel 
and understand and realize that you love them even though they made a mistake. That one's tough, but it's also number one on my list um, because the minute that a kid starts to think that your love is dependent on how they are acting, it causes all sorts of emotional, fucking deep-seated emotional issues, self-esteem issues, everything. Yeah. Never punish out of anger and reconcile. I think sometimes uh, as parents, it's easy to just be angry when the kids aren't doing uh, things right. You don't take the time to sit and reconcile, especially before the end of the day. It's kind of like that verse that says, you know, never let the sun set on your anger. Yeah, I think especially as a young parent, right? Because you're still growing and you're still developing. And I mean, a lot of people have kids at 22, 23 years old. Fuck, man, your prefrontal cortex isn't even finally developed till 25 to 27. Yeah. So you're not even a fully functioning adult yet. And your ability to control your emotions is going to directly reflect your child's ability to, to control their emotions. Yeah. Uh, number two, healthy attachment. Um, what they did with this one is they, oh, where is the actual study on this one? Um, the research emphasized that a secure attachment in infancy forms the basis for healthy and emotional, healthy emotional and social development throughout life. Um, the biggest one that I find with this one in all of my research that I've ever done is when your child feels safe and supported, they are willing to take more risks and they are willing to venture out because their house is in order. And they know that if they get to a point um, where they can't handle it, they, they, have a safe, they have a safe place to fall back to. Um, now, with that, like everything in life, it's a balance. You can't dig them out of every single hole or they never learn to dig themselves out of the hole. But just knowing that if they finally get to a point where they can't dig themselves out, you are there, makes them more willing to put themselves in a bigger hole and try to dig themselves out of it with your support. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So, um, I know I always think when the healthy attachment is, you know, you're there for your kids. Your kids aren't there for you. So you're there to raise the kids. I think sometimes people use having kids as a, as a fulfillment in their lives. And that's where you get into the, they live their dreams for their kids. And that's where you get the, Above mentioned uh, the the controlling, keeping the kids uh kind of as your your robots or keeping them from flying out of the coop. Yeah, I can see that. The you get the pageant mom. Oh yeah. Or the football dad. Yes, trust me, going through that right now, man. I believe football it. season. I believe it. Um, next one is consistent discipline. This is where the authoritative versus authoritarian. Um. Parenting comes in, excuse me, study found that adolescents raised in authoritative households, which is the good, supportive, um, strong leader, uh, characterized by high levels of support and consistent discipline, tend to perform better academically, have higher self-esteem, and exhibit more responsible behavior compared to those raised in authoritarian or permissive households. I think the authoritarian household is where you see the uh you know the the stereotype of the catholic schoolgirl right yeah like she is so uh beat down and so controlled that when she gets a chance to finally explore herself and experiment with life she just goes hog wild yeah and uh you know 
make sure that you are listening when your kids are talking. Make sure you are contemplating um, questions that they have because there is a time, um, and I've caught myself doing it, I know my wife's caught herself doing it, where you make a rule simply because it was a rule for you and you, you never question that rule and then your kid questions it and you could either go the authoritarian route and it's just because I made the rule or you could go the authoritative route. You could try to explain that rule to your kids. And sometimes I've found myself where I'm like, you know what? That is a dumb rule. You know, like the, the, the most the most example that comes to my head is my daughter when she was when she was little, my youngest was totally hot blooded. She never needed a jacket. Um, she never she was outside in in just, you know, her diaper and a stocking cap in the winter. And it, it, for lack of explanation, we have brown fat when we're little. And when you get cold, it actually warms you up way more than white fat that we have as adults, blah, blah, blah. But um, my wife would say, put it, you got to put a jacket on to go outside. And I'm like, wait, 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 why? Right? Like I questioned it for my daughter because she's two. And she's like, well, because she'll get a cold. And I'm like, did you know that studies have shown that being cold doesn't actually affect your immune system? If anything, it may benefit your immune system. She's like, well, what about ear infections? I'm like, I support the hat because the wind in your ears will give you an ear infection, right? But the, the, the jacket, needing to have a jacket just because you're going outside, like, she's pretty fucking smart. When she gets cold, she's going to come ask for a jacket. Yeah. And so we even got to the point where we had to tell the, the, the teacher on, this, on the playground when she went, went to elementary school, like, as long as she has, she has her hat on, she's fine. You don't need to, like, force her to put a jacket on because she'll just be a fucking hot mess and she gets cranky when she gets hot. And that right there, like we questioned our own rule and came out the other side, like, oh, you know what? That was kind of a stupid rule. Yeah. How many parents can do that? Um, not many, I'd say. I mean, I think so, that more need to. Got a little two year old Wim Hof, huh? Yeah, she was she's not so much anymore. It's she's she's grown out of it. Um, probably just because she hasn't been consistently um put in, in those environments, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, man, it was probably, it was probably five, six years where she was like no interest in a jacket. Like when she got cold, she'd put a jacket on. If she was going to, you know, if she's going to go out and play in the snow, she would start with a, with a jacket and snow pants, but she'd usually come in with snow pants and her sleeves rolled up and jacket off. And, you know, we, we, we know what it's like, right? You start moving, you start doing stuff, you get fucking hot. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think it goes back to, uh, like you're talking about, it's the authoritative versus authoritarian where, you know. I think like with my kids, you know, I think I first started when the kids were younger, I was probably more in the authoritarian. It's like, do this because I said so. Yep. But you know, with the, how I lived my life was like always asking, well, why am I doing, what am I doing? And then I decided to, uh, you know what I need to, you know, my kids need to think that way. My kids need to have that ability to, you know, critically think so. You know, my kids, if you ever talk to them, will probably laugh. And I used to sit them down and draw, like, little presentations of why we do what we do. That's awesome. <laughs> nah, uh, they still make fun of it to this day, but it's, I, th- I think it's, it's important because you have to allow your kids to say, why? Why are we doing what we're doing? You know, why do we need to, on certain days where, you know, we don't need a winter jacket, but maybe a vest. Like you could literally, people could go out in in the wintertime and survive with a vest because, you know, based on the 
keeping your center mass warm, right? Yep. So, uh, you know, we go to cold baths and all that, you know, garbage. But, um, but my kids, yeah, I had to think about their their health. You know, why do we eat what we eat, or why don't we eat what we eat? Why don't we want to be shoving, you know, pastries down for breakfast every morning? You know, why don't we want a lot of sugar? I mean, it's, you know, it takes a lot of research on the parent side, and I think that's where the issue is. Is you is the lack of discipline on the parents' end translates over to the kids as just a lazy, you know, well, just do it because I said so. Or we just we just do it because we do it for the last, you know, 20 years and 40 years and grandma and grandpa, you know, taught me that we just do this, right? Yep. I got a great, we're already 49 minutes in. We're not going to get through this list. We might have to pick up the rest of this next week. Um, But I will, I'll, I'll finish this episode off with a, with a great fucking story. Or a, a, we'll call it a parable, right? Because a parable is a story with a lesson behind it. Yeah. Um, so a, a, a young guy opens a shop, just a general store, right? And he, he builds up this general store to be a very successful uh, business in the community. It's the place that everyone comes to. It's a small community. It's where you, you, know, it's where you go to get your hardware and your tools and, and your, your, your some of your dry food items and it's not a grocery store but it's just a good overall general store and he makes enough money to raise his kid and send him off to college and his kid grew up with his dad being an entrepreneur and building this general store into into what it was today so his kid goes to business school right Mm -hmm. and his kid comes home and uh and and he goes all right dad i'm you know i'm I'm two years into business school and i think we need to make some changes and the dad's like oh okay what do you got for suggestions and he goes he goes uh he goes well i you know i i want to work through some of them um we'll talk when we come in tomorrow you know he's like i want to have something ready for you and the and the dad gets there the next day and there's the fucking close sign is on the door and it says close for inventory and and he the dad unlocks the door and he walks in he's like it's fucking 10 o'clock we open at 6 a.m why are we closed and the kid's like, well, dad, we need to do an inventory. Because I learned that if we don't do an inventory, we don't know what in here is profit. So if we don't know what our profit is, we don't know how much money we can spend. <laughs> and the dad goes, hey, you see over there in the back corner, you see that, you see that ream? Still got a little bit of cloth left on that ream? And the kid goes, yeah. He goes, that's what I bought when I borrowed the first money from my father to start this store. Look around. Everything else is fucking profit. Now open the door. <laughs> and 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 that's a I love I love that I love that little story. I love that parable because it's kind of like we need to think, but we need to think intelligently, right? Like we don't just we don't need to do something just because the book says to do it. Why do we need to do it? Oh, we need to do it to figure out what's profit. Well, we can figure out what's profit by knowing what we sold, knowing what we've spent. If you have all of your inventory in your system, you will know what you have for total goods in your store minus some shrink for, uh, for theft. But it's like, don't just close the door and turn away customers from 6 to 10 a.m. on a fucking Tuesday to do inventory just because your fucking your school told you to do inventory. Right. <laughs> yep. I like that one. But um, yeah, we're 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 fifty three we're fifty three minutes in. I think we cut this off, and uh, we pick up with the rest of this uh, with next week's episode. How does that sound? Sounds good. Because there's no way we're gonna get. We're only on we're on number four of like twelve. 
So now y'all know if you didn't like this week's episode, you don't even need to tune in next week. Just kidding. Maybe we'll add some some super secret additions on the end that you got to listen to like the whole time. Like TV shows when they give you the teaser before the commercial. Part two. That's a wrap. Yeah.